It's the show that makes us talk. So what starts with E and ends with E and has one letter in it? I have no clue. An envelope. (laughs) What about our life? With Chris and Will. My wife's the reason anything gets done. She nudges me towards promise by degrees. She is a perfect symphony of one. Our son is her most beautiful reprise. We chase the melodies that seem to find us until they're finished songs and start to play. When senseless acts of tragedy remind us that nothing here is promised. Not one day. The show is proof that history remembers. We live through times when hate and fear seem stronger. We rise and fall and light from dying embers, remembrances that hope and love last longer. And love is 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 love love. cannot be killed or swept aside. I sing Vanessa's symphony, Eliza tells her story. Now fill the world with music, love, and pride. Thank you so much for this. And of course, that was the amazing acceptance speech for the Tony Awards back in 2016 by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Wow. Infamous love is love speech. And there's a lot of facts into that, of course. Yeah. Well, it's another great episode of What About Our Life with Chris and Will. How are you? Hi. We are so happy to have you because this week we are celebrating the blessings of life and the spirit of giving. How about that? Yes. A lot of great in it. A lot of um, emotional negative signs in it as well, but they're overcoming uh, success in it. And if you want to look at it that way, of course. So when you look at blessings of life, of course, of course, love is one of them. Um, Considering, do you think respect is a blessing of life? Perhaps. I think it's how it's viewed. Well, I agree. And I think so as well, because I think respect generally should just come natural. Mm-hmm. I think everybody is born with that natural instinct to have respect and be respectful because what is it? What is that phrase? I know I'll mess it up, but um, treat people as if, uh, as you would want to be treated. I yeah. think that's the way it is. If I'm not messing treat it up people, how you want to be treated. Exactly. And that's the way it should be. And sometimes I think in today's world, we kind of um, miss that Avenue in a sense. Mm-hmm. So that goes back into conditional and unconditional love. Mm -hmm. So when, you know, when we say unconditional love, which is non-restricted in a way, and then you say conditioned love, which is restricted, do we think that that applies for family? Yeah. I agree. I think it does too, because, you know, the one thing I've always taught myself is, um, is that uh, family may have brought you into this world, but they are just as much human as the next one but they don't get an excuse for acting like a douchebag to you. Mm -hmm. That does not give them the excuse to do that because (laughs) that gives you the ability and the right to be who you are. Mm -hmm. And no matter what, being who you are is what God insisted for you to do on this earth. Wow! So a lot of ways to look at it. What about life obstacles? That's another good one. Life obstacles. Yes. Because if you want something to happen and let's say an obstacle happens, um, maybe that's a way of saying either you're not ready for it or good thing that you didn't 
Uh, Absolutely. Well, you know, almost everything you do in life is blessing. And the reason for that is, is because, you know, you can be fortunate enough to do things that other people may not. Uh, Like, for example, there are people on this planet that actually can't walk and you can walk. So in theory, everything you do in life is a blessing. And for those who have those type of disabilities, the blessing of their life in theory should be that the fact of the matter that they're they're still with us and their opportunities in life are still there Mm -hmm. and they can still overcome anything that they that uh, is happening to them. Any restrictions, they can still overcome it. So I think everything in life in life is um, in blessings. Going the distance is another big one. Yeah. Got to take chances in life to get somewhere. I mean, if you if you structure your life to go in one way, then that's the only way you're going to go. But if you turn the curve and you go a different way, may not be exactly comfortable, but down the road, it gives you a life of fulfillment. I always sat there and I was told, you know, sometimes it's not a bad thing to get out of your comfort zone. It's interesting you say that because... <sighs> This is, sorry, this is emotional for me, but because of what I've gone through in my past, um, I, you know, with the, everything, well, basically put it, I went down several paths to where I am now. And I thought that I had to fit in when really the whole time, unnecessary. Um, It basically says that, you are who you are, accept it. And as you would say, love yourself and the world will love you in return. Yeah. You have to go through obstacles to get to be where you are. And, you know, you have to work to accomplish what you need to accomplish. It's like going with dreams. Dreams don't happen by you just sitting back and doing nothing. We had to work very hard and go through a lot of hardships to get to where we are. There was a quote that uh, that resonates uh, recently that I that I had uh, looked at and it said, don't create or don't wait for opportunity, create it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it goes again, making people smile. Yes. I love to smile. It (laughs) it takes nothing for you to do that. And it goes into that fact, people want to change the world. Well, you can simply change the world by uh, giving, blessing other people with a smile, a compliment, opening the door for somebody who need to help them. I mean, that's how you can change the world because in theory, good deeds go a long way. But, and you know, along with that too, which is really interesting, it's not really for them. It's also for you. Well, yeah. And that's another thing of rewarding yourself for your accomplishments and rewarding yourself for the things that you do. Because again, the more you reward yourself, the more tempted you're going to be to do it again. Yeah. And that's the benefit of reward. We all love receiving recognition and we all love receiving rewards and we love all that. So don't ever forget to reward yourself because your accomplishments are worth it. And you don't, you know, an accomplishment is not really all about the money, the degrees you have, the house or the car you live in. Accomplishment can be anything. If you don't know how to cook and you cooked a wonderful meal, that's an accomplishment. Yeah. Uh Um, An accomplishment. (laughs) Making sure that when you cook spaghetti, you make sure that you put enough water in so it doesn't evaporate. Yes, because he's burned a lot of water in the past. Believe it or not, that's another story. But you have to, anything can be an accomplishment. Anything can be success. It doesn't have to be uh, money. It doesn't have to be uh, owning this or having this 
certificate or whatever. It doesn't have to be that. You can have your self-accomplishment just by the way you feel about it. If you feel good about it, then you're accomplished. So reward yourself on all those accomplishments. So again, going through the blessings of life, um, it's not really a religious standpoint. It really is a self-gratitude standpoint. Yes. If you find yourself you know, appreciating of who you are more and what you have instead of what you don't have or what you can't do, I promise you, you're going to go further. You're, you're going to, you're going to go the distance in the way that you, you want to, because your mind is set from that. So if you want to be successful or you want to be your own talk show host, you got to plan it in your head always that that's what you want and you're going to get it. I think in, um, in sister act two, when Whoopi, was uh, yes. telling Lauren mm-hmm. Hill, if all you can think about is being a singer, then you're a singer girl. And mm-hmm. that's the same thing with if you. If you wake up in the morning and all you can think about is it's singing. It, yeah, yeah. You just do it. And that's the same thing with you. If you, if every day you have this interest that says, Hey, I want to go to Disney world. Then you put it in your head. You're going to go to Disney world. You're going to go do the things that you want to do. May not be right when you want it, but one key thing I always teach Willie you don't always need to know the reason why things happen or don't happen. You don't need to know the reason because if you find out the reason, you're going to be tempted to change it. And then when you go to change it, you're going to be changing everything else that happened between that. And you don't want to do that. Regret is a waste of time. Do not look back and say, well, if I can go change this in my past, I'll change it. Don't. Learn from it. Change your future. Adapt your future. Write your book. Because I can promise you, if you, you readers out there who read books, if you read a book and the, the chapters are not interesting, you're going to stop reading that book. So write your book as if you're reading a book. If you keep that book going and make it interesting from the facts to the to the, the downfalls to the success, I promise you, you will keep on that book as you live your life. So don't ever try to go backwards on that book. Remember, if you're going to read a book, you want it to be interesting. That's what keeps you reading that book. So make your life like that. That is the true blessings of life, appreciating you and oneself. No matter how different we are, you're always going to be appreciated by yourself. You do not need people to appreciate you if you appreciate yourself. I promise you, appreciating yourself is your strength, it is your guidance, and it is your way of life. That's how you do it. That is your talent. You're given that talent every day of your life. Boy, sure is a good day to go skating. Er, oh. oh, hi, I didn't know you were here too. Why, that makes it perfect now that everyone's here. Who's that? I gotta find out. Hello, who are you? I'm Big Bird. Nice to meet you, Big Bird. Nice My name's Jerry Jewel. Yeah, hey, you know, you talk differently. Where are you from? I was born in the United States, but I was born, also born with cerebral palsy. That's probably why I talk this way. Uh-huh. Well, see you later. Later, but wait. Uh, I just wanted yeah. to ask you, um, how come you move differently, too? That's from the same condition, cerebral palsy. Uh-huh. It makes it harder for me to move. Well, you're sure doing great for somebody with cerebral palsy. 
Well, just because I do things differently doesn't mean I don't do them at all. Oh. <laughs> well, gotta go, Big Bird. Hey, can I skate with you? Sure. Oh, boy, let's go. Come on. So that was Jerry Jewell in uh, an episode of Sesame Street. Wow. It was actually very cool. Yeah. Very interesting uh, episode at that. But we're going to get more into Jerry Jewell in just a few minutes. But first, let's go into the spirit of giving. We've talked about the blessings of life. So let's go into the spirit of giving. We're in that holiday season. So what do you think the spirit of giving is? Uh. I would say opening up the door for somebody if, you know, you're going in or going out. I I mean, mean, I know it's, it's old fashioned, but I mean, it's a really, giving can be a really simple gesture, you know? Well, you know, a lot of things, a lot of things, if you always say, you know, when you give, don't expect in return, but it comes back into that whole respect mechanism, because if I'm going to give somebody money, let's just say, um, I don't expect them to give it back, but I do expect them to respect me right. from that point on. Because, you know, help is it is free in a sense, but in theory, it's really not because it, you, you have to pay it forward and you have to be respectful because, again, those are all choices. People can choose not to help. So when you're when people are giving, then be giving in return, not just to them, but to anybody, because yeah. that's, that's the way the, the circle should be met. And you naturally of ways. give, you'll naturally receive. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, that goes back into how to give back because, you know, we always do a lot of different charity events. We always do a lot of different things and we know where our roots are. And when we get asked to do speakings and stuff like that, we, to us, it's, it's about what we're doing and what the purpose of it is and what's behind it. And, and that's what it should be. And that's what you do when you give back. Yeah. That's the way it is when you give back. Yeah. Because if you give back because, Oh, I have to go do my good deed for today. So I must go do this. Don't do it because then you're not, it, that's not a healthy way of giving. Right. A healthy way of giving is saying, hey, I'm interested in this. I'm excited about it. And then what happens? And that's the same thing with educating. You know, some people just may not be educated in what's going on in, in your life or other people's life. So the natural thing is to react. That is the natural thing <laughs> is they love to react. Or they find they need defenses or whatever. And sometimes it's just, you just need to be educated. It's come, it comes down to like when it comes to voting season and, you know, you have to pick the perfect candidate. Always educate yourself on that candidate because just because they may, they may talk your game or talk your emotional game, I should say, doesn't mean that they're going to be your best advocate. And you need to educate yourself on who is, you know, the people working for you should be the friends that are around you in a sense too, because you don't need to make friends at work, but you need to make sure that your environment is a comfortable environment and a setting for you. So educate. It's always good to educate because what you don't know, um, you know, somebody else might have a better you know, analysis for you. And yeah, and it, it may not necessarily be wrong. Right, exactly. Because um, responding is a higher form of, you know, um, what is it I want to say? Don't react, respond. And, and that's the same thing about respecting yourself. It goes back down to we talked about that too. Respecting yourself. 
Because, you know, if you can't respect yourself, then you're doing, you're bullying yourself. Exactly. If you don't like the world to bully you, then don't bully yourself. Respect yourself. Um, you know, I have a hard time looking in the mirror sometimes and saying, gosh, you know, I want to lose weight. You know, I, I weighed a certain thing at one point that got it back. And so I'll punish myself. And I'm like, no, you need to respect yourself because not everybody needs to look like a twig. You know, <laughs> nobody, not everybody needs to look like that. And what may look great for some person is not meant to look for others. Or, you know, built, you know, huge muscles yeah, and, or, you know, and, you know, the thing it's is, really about just accepting yourself and enjoying it. It is. It is. I mean, in theory, that's why we have Thanksgiving. That's why we have Christmas. That's why we kind of have Halloween. We're celebrating our inner self in a lot of ways. Yeah. So you got to give yourself thanks and give the world thanks and you bring it on and, and so forth. And then it comes to how to accept you, it, you know, accepting you for who you are comes from respect and it goes into, okay, you know, living life as a gay man, you know, Again, educate, don't judge. You know, Dolly Parton says it best. It's not her place to judge. You know, that's the higher power. That's their job. You know, that's not her job. That's not our job. So don't spend your time judging other people because you may not like what they look like or you may not accept who they are or what's going on in their life. Just understand that, you know, acceptance is key. You you just accept the fact that, you know, they're there. Now, if they're doing things wrong to you, then fine, get rid of them out of your life. But do it in a sense that says, you know, I just don't have to deal with you. I just don't want to deal with you. You make those choices. But just because somebody's gay doesn't make them wrong. Mm -hmm. Accept them. You know, they, everybody's got boundaries and, and things. And I always say, you know, I could care less what you do in your in your bedroom, you know, in some cases, I really don't want to know what you do in your bedroom. <laughs> and so why do you care about what we do in ours? So again, accept yourself, respect yourself, because, you know, that's how you lead yourself through strength and how you lead yourself through everything else in life. That's what's important. Now, how to respect, there's a good one. Yes. How to respect is basically the feeling of comfort for you. You know, if you want a better life, then you've got to make the choice to have a better life. Everything is a choice in life. Everything is you can you can choose what you want to do. Now, sometimes they say being gay is, is not a choice. Well, that could be very much true, but it could also be a choice. You know, how you live your life as a gay man or a gay woman, however, that's your choice as well. But own those responsibilities of those choices. If I make a mistake, then admit I made a mistake. It's not about blaming everybody else or finding the reason for it. Admit that I've made the mistake. That's what's key. And that's how you respect yourself. You get respect by doing the things that you own. Own you. Own how it is and how it goes and how you want to see certain things. And again, being different is not a bad thing. In fact, I like being different because that's my style. You know, when you go to the store and you buy an outfit that you like and you want to wear it because you think it looks good on you, that's your style. That's you being different. If we all looked the same, drove the same car, or acted all the same, it would be a boring, boring life. So why be it? Yeah. If people can't accept different, then that's their problem. That's the difference that they have with other people because that's the negative they bring upon themselves. So in the spirit of giving is respecting yourself, learning to accept yourself and giving into life and giving other people that, that dignity and that information as well. Because that's that's where you go in life. So, but today we mentioned a little bit about Jerry Jewell. 
Jerry Jewell uh, suffers from cerebral palsy. And again, that goes into, there's nothing wrong with her. She is a pioneer. She's actually mm-hmm. been the very first actress that got uh, with a disability that got on primetime TV. An accomplishment. An accomplishment in itself. And speaking of that, she actually was on uh, Facts of Life. She was Jerry Tyler on Facts of Life from 1980 to 1984. Mm-hmm. She did a couple episodes of Sesame Street, 21 yeah. Jump Street, Alcatraz, Glee, uh, The New Lassie, and Strong Medicine, just to name a few. Hmm. She was also on Deadwood from 2004-2006 through 2006. And she has a new film coming out. Uh, in December called Carol the Bells. Nice. Very interesting at that. She has a book out called I'm Walking as Straight as I Can. And she's she's just a, she is a wonderful woman. And she's going to be with us today. So we're so happy to have her with us. So sit back, relax. We're going to be talking about the facts of life with Jerry Jewell coming up. The facts of life, there's a time you gotta go and show you grow and now you know about the facts of life, the facts of life. are honored to welcome the amazing Jerry Jewell. Hi, Jerry. How are you? Hi. I'm good. Thank you. That is wonderful to hear. Thank you so much for being on our show. We do appreciate it. We are honored, of course, to be speaking to the pioneer herself. Yes. The amazing Jerry. So tell me how you got the interest and how you got started in wanting to be an epic entertainer. (laughs) That wasn't my goal to be an epic entertainer. (laughs) 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 But thank you for the compliment. Of Um, course. Well, it's complicated. Uh, I, I would say that I always wanted to be an actress since I was probably about 12, 11 uh-huh. or 12. And when I was 12, I started writing Carol Burnett and we had a pen pal relationship. Nice. And I told her that when I grew up, I wanted to be a comedian and an actress like her. And she always told me never to quit getting to acting in every capacity. She said there was no guarantee that I would become professional. But you'll never know what you can do unless you try. Right. So she was a big part of my motivation for writing me back and telling me I could do it. And But reality was, you know, I had to go to school. I had to go to college. And when I went to college, um, I was a theater arts major for about a year. But... You know, there was, I got a lot of um, slaps 
from the State Department of Rehabilitation because I was picking a career that was not guaranteed success. Right. You know what you, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. So after my second year in college, my third year in college, I changed majors to psychology to try to figure out why I wanted to be an actor. (laughs) 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 And then I was had the benefit of going to school with Alex Valdez. He was a fellow student who was blind. Wow. we were in the Disabled Student Services office, and I was really bummed out. And he said, what is your problem? And I said, well, I'm flunking anatomy and physiology. I'm flunking algebra for the second time. And I just, I, I really don't want to be a psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, what do you really want to do? Well, I really want to be an actor. If I want to be a comedian. And he said, well, why don't you do what I do? I said, what do you do? I go to the comedy store every week in L.A. and tell blind jokes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I said, okay. Uh, well, Alex, that may work for you, but I can see you just fine. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And he said, no, Dinky face, you have to go to the comedy store and tell terrible policy jokes. So he got me into this mess. (laughs) (laughs) I blame him and I give him credit at the same time because he he, um, really got me into it. And I never wanted to be a stand-up comic ever in my wildest dreams. Uh Uh-huh. I wanted to be a comedic actress, which is different. It's not a right. stand-up. Right, right. And I, yeah, and I really had no idols in stand-up at that time. And I didn't really understand. I was so young, I couldn't understand what he was really saying to me. Because when he said comedy store, I'm thinking, well comedy store. What is that? You stand in different aisles and sell your comedy? I envisioned a big grocery store where comedians stand in different aisles and sell their jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, um, he, he got me into this I did stand-up comedy for the first time in 1978 at wow. the comedy store in L.A. Uh-huh. And about a less than a year later, no, a little over a year later, Norman Lear saw me perform uh-huh. at the second annual Media Access Award. And he came up to me after that gig and said, Kid, you're really funny, but you're way before your time. And I said, okay, so wait a couple months. (laughs) 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 And he actually waited three months and then wrote me in Esler's Covenant on Facts of Life. So there is the beginning of my career. Wow. And, you know, and I have to ask, did you ever uh, meet uh, Carol Burnett in person? Many times. Many times. Wow. And she remembers you as the pen pal. 
Oh yeah, um, you know it's it's really kind of surreal because when I was sixteen or just turned seventeen, somewhere around there, I ordered tickets to the Carol Burnett show uh-huh. in at CBS Studios, and <laughs> I took some friends of mine, and it just happened to be the episode where she wore the curtains. Yeah, yes. yeah. Wow. Yeah, and it was went with the wind, you know, the, the uh-huh. soup of Gone with the Wind. And I got in a front row seat, and I was so excited, and I raised my hand, and she never called on me. She goes, okay, we'll get back to the show. And I was like, oh, my God, she didn't call on me. I needed to talk to her. I had, uh-huh. I had so many questions. And my friends were telling me to shut up. Would you just watch this? But she didn't call on me. <laughs> I was so disappointed. And then um, Harvey Corman was, Tim Conway cracked up Harvey Corman so bad they had to take a break. And so they had to stop shooting for a while to get their act together. Uh-huh. And I went right back to the argument. Can you believe it? She didn't call me. <laughs> and then, I, I cannot believe it. And she, Audrey looked at me and she said, Jerry, well, I would seriously think of what you want to ask her because she's coming right over here. Oh, she is not. Wow. <laughs> And I, and I turned around, and Carol Burnett's arm was extended, and she said, you must be Jerry Jewell. Wow. <laughs> and I said, how did you know? No, just a lucky guess. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And she said, I want you to know that I love your letters. I love your poetry. I I have your poetry up in my office so everybody can read your poems when they come in my office. Wow. And I, I was just stunned. And I said, Carol, can you do me just one more little favor? <laughs> <laughs> she said, what's that? And I said, well, I wrote a paper about you for my English class. And if you sign it, I could get a better grade. <laughs> <laughs> and she signed it, and I still have it. Wow. Whoa. That's incredible. That's a very great, I would say, compliment. Yes. I mean, absolutely. She's on my bucket list. She's the one I want to either see perform or meet in person. She's, she's definitely. Yeah. I, I have met a lot of them and she is, she's definitely, I've heard she's wonderful. And I, so I envy you, most definitely envy you. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Facts of Life. How was your time on that show? Um, How was it? It Yeah, how was your time on it? Did you enjoy it, of course? For the most part, I didn't, I didn't. um, That particular time in my life was surrounded by a lot of wolves and sheepskins. Uh-huh. So I was a newbie in the industry. 
I was very young, obviously, if I thought the comedy store was a grocery store, I was very young. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, there were people just using me. And, you know, if you go from being in special ed most of your life and nobody wanting to be your friend Uh to all of a sudden everybody wanting to be your friend, it's a weird situation, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So it it was difficult for me to grow up in that time. Um, And I literally had to grow up. I mean, I was 23 when I got back to life. But I was probably emotionally 12, 13. Wow. So, but um, I was very close to Lisa Welchel. And if it weren't for Lisa, I don't know, then I could have even handled half of it. Because Lisa was very supportive of me. Charlotte was supportive of me. Uh But like I said, there was a lot of people in my life. My manager um, at the time got arrested for embezzlement and security fraud, and he basically had all my money tied up, too. So so that's what I'm talking about. You know, it was just a very confusing time for me. I bet. But on the same token, it was magical, too, because, you know, back then there was no cable. There was just ABC, CBS, and NBC. And I became known to millions overnight. So it yeah. was surreal right. and magical at the same time. Wow. So uh, you talk about uh, Lisa, because, of course, everybody loves Blair. Um, do yes. you still keep in touch with Lisa? Yes, I do. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And uh, before, of course... Um, the infamous Charlotte Ray, Mrs. Garrett, yeah. before she passed. Did you guys still have a long relationship after you left the show? Um, we reconnected uh, at the TV Land Awards in 2011. And wow. I'm so glad we did because we I got to spend quality time with her before she passed. And she is a remarkable woman. And... I have so much respect for her, and I'm so glad I was blessed to have that time with her before she passed. She I even uh, let me interview her for an article I was writing for Ability Magazine. So we wow. spent the whole day together. It, it was it was wonderful. Oh, I can imagine. She seems she seemed very special. I mean, and she she seemed nice. And there's a couple of people we know that had spent some time with her and said the same thing. Mm-hmm. So that's in, that's just. That's incredible. But I also saw that you spent some time with Big Bird on Sesame Street. How was that? I, how did you know I spent time with Big Bird? (laughs) Girl, you're just all over YouTube. (laughs) Well, it, it, well, I didn't have sex with him, if that's what you implied. Oh, my. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> that would be interesting if you did. I will tell you that. But <laughs> that's funny. But uh... <laughs> it was 1984, and I, I did an episode of Sesame Street. And the producers asked me if there was um, 
a skill of some fun things that I did that kids would like. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, because you can't, you can't do stand-up comedy on Sesame Street, you know? Right. Yeah. So they were right. trying to find something else. And I said, well, I can roller skate. Uh-huh. And they were so excited. They would go, oh, my God, you can roller skate. <laughs> the puppeteer inside Big Bird, um, gosh, what's his name? Um, Taylor Spinney. Yes. Were, were so excited because he knew how to skate in the Big Bird costume. Wow. He said, that, that is so perfect. We'll have Big Bird skate with Jerry Jewel from Back to Life. You know, Uh how awesome is that? So, Mm -hmm. you know, and I have to tell you, the minute that left my lips and I told him that I could roller skate, I thought, wow, not only do I have cerebral palsy, I have mental health issues. (laughs) 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 Because I thought, you know, you know, I did know how to skate as a kid. I learned how to skate. But I wasn't really good at it. I, I, you know, I never did master those rubber tips at the end that you use for breaks. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and when they flew me to New York City, we filmed it the day after. We had a dress rehearsal the night be- before. The uh-huh. night before, we had a dress rehearsal and wardrobe forgot my skates. Uh. So, what we did was we did a walkthrough of all the lines and all the places to skate to and blah, 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 over and over again. And I just walked next to Big Bird as he skated, which was a piece of cake. You know, I said, oh, this is easy. So, the next day, they bring the skates and they put them on me for the first time in front of a live audience of parents and their four-year-olds. And they gave me my cue. Okay, go on. You remember where to go. Skate over there. And I went out behind the curtain so fast. I thought, wow, <laughs> this is a short stage. This looks shorter than it did. <laughs> 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 wow. And I knew that I couldn't stop. And it's only a matter of seconds where you have to decide what you're going to do. And I figured I could hit the cameraman and the camera, and I thought, no, that's too pricey. (laughs) (laughs) I could hit the audience, just get into the audience, but I could hurt someone. So in my mind, the only way, the safest way that I could stop was to hit Big Bird. (laughs) So I skated over to Big Bird going about, I would say... 20 miles an hour. Whoa. <laughs> I hit him so hard that his head fell off. <gasps> and it and it rolled across the stage, and these four-year-olds were screaming that I killed him. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and to this day, Killer Spinney always said that I'm the only celebrity that ever decapitated <laughs> That's funny. Wow. Wow. 
That's funny. So other than Big Bird. Yeah, so considering you had such an exciting time uh, on Sesame Street, was there a particular character that is your favorite out of all of the Sesame Street characters? Well, of course it was Big Bird. Oh, okay. (laughs) Of course, yes. Yeah, I think I had a, if I remember correctly, I had a scene with um, Ernie. Uh-huh. That that was another little segment where they found something that I liked to do that kids liked, and I played video games. Oh, oh nice. So I, nice. So I think I was playing a video game with Ernie or, or Cookie Monster, maybe both of them. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy and funny. Mentally, it's, it's everywhere um, because I can just – you have a fascination with Big Bird, and you you've done so many things with him, and <laughs> so it's yeah, it's funny. But <laughs> let so let's go to Deadwood. Tell me, <laughs> I left you. I left you speechless. <laughs> <laughs> you did, you did, because I'm trying to fight off all these these mental images of what it what it looked like when you decapitated his head. And, you know, and and then so much more. So, yes, you did. Thank you. I needed that today. (laughs) (laughs) I had another thought in mind, but I won't say that. So (laughs) so let's let let, let's let's change gears a little bit. And tell me the story on how uh, Deadwood came across. Well, um, let's see. In 1999, a lot of people don't know that I had spinal cord surgery from C1 to C7, which is practically oh, wow. my whole neck. Uh-huh. And and truthfully, I, I thought that my career was going to be over after that surgery because it was a hard surgery. It was a long recovery. And by 2002, you know, I had the surgery in 99. I was just learning how to drive again, just Uh figuring out how to use this body in a different way with a head that doesn't turn left or right. Maybe my punishment from decapitating (laughs) (laughs) people. Oh, gosh. I I just figured out that <laughs> You're just trying to torture me because I'm trying to get that mental picture out of my head, and you just want to keep keep it in there. So I am totally gonna probably go to bed tonight, laughing or screaming, one of the two, because I'm imagining you decapitating Big Bird one way or another. <laughs> so if he wakes up in the middle of the night and he's screaming, I'll have to do something to calm him down or, or comfort him <laughs> i don't know if it'll be bad that bad it'll just be funny i think it'll just be funny in so many wrong ways i'll be sleeping and you'll just wake me up by laughing in the middle of the night that's what it'll be well i could just i mean i could just only i mean let me ask you this here we're gonna go back to the big bird so you decapitated <laughs> his head were you in shock or were you absolutely laughing I was in shock. Well, you want to know the truth about? Well, he, Carol Spinney didn't tell me this until years later. He he said that he intentionally let go of his head 
so that he wouldn't be paralyzed, so that so that he could fall safely without the head on him. Oh. So he gotcha. let he let go of the top because if he had fallen completely in that costume, he risked his own physical ability. Right. So right. he did that to save his own life. Wow, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Still, yeah, so. ironically and wrong in many ways, it's still funny. But, um, it is. But in... <laughs> okay, all right, all right. I'll, I'll say, let's go back to Deadwood. Yes, let's go <laughs> okay. back to Deadwood. <laughs> let's go back to Deadwood. Um, it was 2002, and in order, I will be in chronic pain for the rest of my life because my brain still has cerebral palsy and it's still sending weird messages through my neck for my head to move all over, for any right. part of my body to move. And my neck is 45% titanium and screws and bolts and everything. So wow. it's all, the cerebral palsy is always going to go against the hardware, if that makes any sense. Yes. So... So what I do to alleviate that is I get two to three vials of Botox in my neck every three months for chronic uh -huh. pain. Wow. And it's, and in 2002, I had to go to this yuppie, buppy pharmacy in Santa Monica to pick uh -huh. up the Botox and deliver it to the neurologist to inject in my neck. Oh, wow. And I, I was in so much pain because I had no Botox in me at all. And I, you know, as I said, it, it was a long recovery from surgery. And I couldn't even get dressed properly that day because I was in so much pain. I couldn't even button a button or zipper a zipper. So I went in my pajama bottoms and a t-shirt and a big jacket thinking, you know, nobody's going to recognize me at eight. 30, 9 o'clock in the morning. Right. No, no big deal. And I'm standing in line, and this guy in front of me turns around. He goes, oh, my God, are you Jerry Ewell? Wow. You know, and I didn't even want to admit I was who I was <laughs> this morning. <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, I am. And he said, well, I'm a huge fan of yours. And I said, well, thank you, sir. He said, I mean, my God, you, you've made me laugh. You've inspired me. I've loved you ever since Facts of Life and your comedy. Uh -huh. I said, thank you. And he said, but I haven't seen you on TV in a long time. What are you doing with your life now? I said, Botox. <laughs> 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 and he, and he, said, he said, no, really. And I said, really? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm doing Botox. And he said, you want a television series? I said, what? You want a television series? I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is a pharmacy, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, yes, and in case you don't recognize me, my name is David Milch. Oh, wow. And my mouth just fell open. I was going, oh, are you the producer of NYPD Blues? And he said, yes, I am. What? And I, I said, well, Mr. Mills, I, I'm flattered that you're a fan of mine and that, you know, you want me to work, but 
I mean, I would be a real shitty cop. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, no, no, I just signed a contract with HBO to do a new Western called Deadwood. You want to do a Western? And I looked up as far as my titanium neck would let me. And I said, oh, my God, you have a quirky sense of humor, God. I'm standing <laughs> here with cerebral palsy, a titanium neck, dependent on Botox, and David Mills wants me to ride a horse. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he was true to his word. The only thing for him to ride on that morning was a prescription pad for an antidepressant. <laughs> <laughs> so he wrote his phone number on the prescription pad and handed me the paper and told me to call him. And he was true to his word. I was the first character that was cast in Deadwood, even before Ian McShane. I will tell you this, that the movie was the most incredible role I've ever had to do. Um, ironically, I had spinal cord surgery again last July, but this time it was my lower back. Uh -huh. And I could no longer walk any longer than about five minutes without being in chronic pain. I, oh, wow. I couldn't stand in one place longer than a minute without going to my knees in chronic pain. And I knew that my walking and standing ability needed to be, I mean, I tried everything, the nerve block, the um, steroid, everything, and nothing worked. So surgery is the last thing you want to do. Right. For back, you know that. Yeah. And, and so I thought, you know, I've heard that they're going to do the Deadwood movie. And intuitively, I thought it was going to be coming up. I was one of the few people who believed it was going to happen. A lot of people thought it was never going to be done. Right. But I knew it was. And I told the surgeon in July, I said, look, I said, I'm going to do a movie. I don't know when, but you need to get me walking again. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You need to get me standing because I want to do this movie and I want the least invasive surgery to recover from. And he said, oh, I can do that. So he told me that I would be back to my normal in about two weeks after surgery. And I was at Cedars for a week and then I was in rehab for two weeks and then I was in home care for a month and a half. Wow. Unable, unable to drive, still in chronic pain, using a walker, a wheelchair part-time. And in mid-September, I got the script to the Deadwood movie. It was emailed to me. And I read it, and I was like, there's no way. I can't do this. I can't eat. There's no way. So I called production, and I said, can I please speak to David Milch? And they said, well, he's not taking any calls right now. Can I leave him a message? And I said, yes. I said, please tell him that Jerry drew a call, that I had spinal cord surgery in July. I am still a part-time wheelchair user. I can't drive yet. 
I can't stand very long. I'm in chronic pain. Um, no way that I can revive the role of Jewel and he has my blessing to be casted. Wow. And there was this deep silence on the line. And she said, are you sure wow. you want me to tell him that? And I said, yes, because it's the truth. And I've known David for many years, and he doesn't like surprises. I'm not going to lie to him. I cannot do this role. Right. And she said, okay. You know, and, I'm, and I was like, I was torn because I wanted to have the surgery so I could do the movie. Mm-hmm. And yet I wasn't recovering fast enough. Right. So the next day, David called me. And he said, Jerry, I got your message. And I said, yeah. And I want you to know something. There's only one jewel, and it's you. And I don't care if I have to get a wheelchair-accessible trailer, if hair and makeup comes to you, if we have to hire a driver, if I have to make script changes, you are going to be jewel. Do you understand that? Wow. and I was just bawling. Uh-huh, yeah. I said, I said, you believe in me that much? And he said, Jerry, I believe in you from the tip of your toes to the top of your head. Wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, this is twice in my lifetime where I thought everything was over and I'd never work again. And David Milch comes into my path twice. Wow. I mean... He has been an angel in my life. Wow. And he made me do it. And I was in chronic, chronic pain. It was the hardest physical role I've ever had to do. Um, the, the surgeon would not let me out of the back place because he said, if something happens and you're out of the back place and we have to do more surgery, the insurance companies will not cover that surgery if you got out of the brace too early. Right. And I said, but they didn't have these ugly back braces in the 1800s. <laughs> I'm He said, I don't care. You need to stay in the brace. So what they did was, is the costume designer who was brilliant, Jeannie Bryant, she made my dress bigger over the back place and then props built a real 1800 back place to wear over the dress to cover the real brace. So I was double braced. Wow. And uh, I, I did it. You know, I'm so proud of myself and I, and I can't thank David enough for making me do it. He did. He challenged me. He said, you're going to do it. Wow. So do you think you'll ever work with him again? Um, I don't know. I, it's, I mean, he is battling Alzheimer's, I've heard, and it's, it's common knowledge. I'm not breaking any confidence. So that's why this movie was so important for him because I think this was, you know, his, this was a big thing for him. Right. I, I don't know if he will do another movie. Or, 
I, I can't say. All I can say is that he has his challenges right now. Right. Right. And I think I think that's why he was so enamored with mine because he's such uh he has been through so much in himself that he understands that struggle. He understands that pain. Right. Mm-hmm. Does that does that make any sense? Yeah, it yes, does. Yes. It does. You know, it's easier to go through something when you uh I don't want to say have a group, but when you have a partner or somebody that actually knows what you're going through it helps you in a sense too so it absolutely does absolutely of course so what would you when you do your own performances i mean do you try to send a certain message because i i read somewhere where you did an interview and you talked about your stand-up comedy and one of the things that you had said is you want to send the message to tell people it's okay to laugh or go ahead and laugh you know what i'm saying so when you do these performances do you do you send a certain message to people to to enlighten what you're going through and, and maybe send a message that says, you know, hey, look, just laugh. It's okay to laugh. Well, yeah, you better laugh because laughter is the most valuable medicine we have on the planet. Right. If, mm-hmm. if, if, you, if you don't have a sense of humor about yourself, and I won't mention any names. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have a real hard time, you know, and it, because you've got to be able to laugh at yourself in order to move forward, you know, to balance all the drama in life. Absolutely. But I, I, think, I think the most important message that I give through my comedy is I, I, I basically am teaching people that it's okay to embrace diversity of all kinds. Yes. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your sexuality. It doesn't matter your disability. It's who you are. It's right. not what you are. Absolutely. So I, I think I think that's the most important message that I've ever given in my stand-up. Wow. It's very touching. I'm it just, is. That's just... I am so... You grateful left a, for you saying that. You you left us speechless again, and Big Bird wasn't even in sight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, so here's a question: with going, you you kind of mentioned it a little bit uh, with growing up in high school, and I'm sure you've had a little bit of those challenges in, as an adult. What would you say to a person who is dealing with bullying because that's a big thing nowadays how would you how would you help them get through it what would you say to them uh yeah you know truthfully i did go through bullying myself but when you look at the instant bullying that happens today online I mean, it's right there. You can't even go home and hide from it. You turn on the computer and there it is again. Right. You you know, it's vicious. And I always have always said that bullies are cowards in disguise. Right. They have to be a bully because they're a coward. And that we shouldn't forget that and not take everything so deeply so personally know your own value i i know that when i 
when I do um, sensitivity training to students, I usually wrinkle up a $20 bill and pour Tabasco sauce on it and yell at it and call it names. And then I unfold it and I ask them, how much is this worth? And it's still $20, no matter what's been said to it, no matter the ugliness, no matter what hand it's been in, because the $20 bill never forgets its own value. And that's what I say to students is don't forget your own worth. Know your worth no matter what. Take that with you. And remember, the bullies are cowards in disguise, and that's the truth. What are you most proud of? Um, what am I most proud of? I think I'm probably most proud of not giving up in hard times. There, there had been so many times when I wanted to give up and I didn't. Uh-huh. Um, to believe in a higher power than myself. Um, you know, my faith in something greater than what's here. Um, right. And to, to believe in myself no matter what. That's what I'm most proud of. And wow. I was, and of course, I just told you the Deadwood movie was a major accomplishment on my part. Uh-huh. And also, uh, I Love Liberty that I did in, in 1982 for Norman Lear. And Norman Lear discovered me. Uh-huh. Gave me facts of life, and I love liberty. You can find that on YouTube, and that was an amazing night that I'll never forget. And so, those are my greatest accomplishments. And my book, I would have to say, yes, mm-hmm. to write my book, not not the first one, not the one in '84, but the the one in 2000 and. 11, I'm walking as straight as I can with a major accomplishment uh-huh. because Deadwood had ended at that point. And, you know, it was 2009 when I got the book deal and I hadn't worked since 2006. So this seems to be a cycle of mine where I get a job and then, well, that's the nature of the entertainment industry anyway. You know, every job ends and you wait for another job. Right. So, for me, it's years before I work again. <laughs> so, I I made a commitment to myself early on when I had a, an autobiography that was published in 84 that I did not like. I had very little to do with it. Um, and I was on a dream book tour that authors dream about every major talk show in the United States and I hated the book and I made a commitment to myself that someday I didn't know when but I would write my book and write the whole thing myself no ghostwriter and take full responsibility for my for my work and I did it Wow. I got the book deal in 2009, and it was published in 2011, and I'm proud to say that it's still in print. I mean, wow, that's Very an nice. amazing accomplishment. Yes, yes, that is, yes. Absolutely. 
So tell me about, uh, you have another film that's called Carol of Bells. Tell us about that. Ah, Carol of the Bells is, is a holiday story. And it's, you know, it, it's a great movie. It's a great story. And I believe there were 70% of people with disabilities hired in that film. Wow. Be, behind the camera and in front of the camera. Really? Wow. Um, yeah, it was just. Uh, a really wonderful work, and there, there is Donna Pascal, Lee Purcell, um, God, Donna Mills, and uh, R.J. Mitty from Breaking Bad, who I had my scene with. I'm only in it as a cameo. I'm in one scene, uh-huh. and it's with R.J. And in the script. His character meets my character in a, in a church. And I, I said to the casting director and the producer, Joey Travolta, I said, what are the odds of on Christmas Eve in a big gathering of people that you just happen to sit next to a stranger who happens to have cerebral palsy just like you? Uh-huh. The odds. Uh, the odds are next to nothing. I don't even believe it'll happen. I mean, if it happens, great, but it's not really believable. Well, it's believable in this film. I said, nah, the only way I'll do it is if you make me a nun. (laughs) 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 Wow. I beg your pardon? No, I'm, I'm serious. If on my bucket list, from the time I was a little girl, I either wanted to be a nun or play a nun. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, if you let me be a nun in this movie, I won't move and nobody will know I have to. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And so, I, I got to be a nun in this wonderful, cherished little scene with RJ. And uh, I even got to name her Sister Gloria in wow. the script because, because um, my sister's name was Gloria and uh-huh. she passed a little over two years ago of lung cancer. Oh, wow. So I got, I got to pay tribute to Gloria by naming this character Sister Gloria. So Wow. It's a wonderful film. It really is a great story, too. Yes, yes, indeed. So, you know, we've talked about a lot of stuff. How would you like the world to view your legacy? How would I like the world to view my legacy? Yeah. And Mm -hmm. don't say correctly. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, uh, gosh, that's I never really gave it much thought. I, I think just... we're leaving her speechless. Yep. <laughs> Again, we're leaving you speechless and Big Bird's not even in sight. <laughs> well, I, I'd like to say that I've enlightened people and I, um, like what I've done as a comedian and an actress, my body of work, 
I would like to say that I left the earth and I hope I don't leave it soon by talking this way. <laughs> no, but you won't. No, no. no. It's I, think I of it as more of everything that you've accomplished and the messages that you've given to just, I mean, even myself, because going through this and I've just been been listening and just think of it as what, how do you want people to, how do you want people to view I, all, everything that you've done? Well, I, I, would ha- I would have to honestly say that I would hope that people would remember me for making the world a little bit more sensitive towards yes. all people. Um, embracing diversity of all kinds. Um, and of course, we talked about this earlier about the importance of laughter, of having a sense of humor right. mm-hmm. by, about yourself. I'm not talking about making fun of other people. That's not right. No, good we get humor. you. No, of that's, course. That's malicious. But I'm talking about a healthy sense of humor. Right. You know, uh, a healing sister humor. Yeah, which I could, right. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, which I could equate to what Carol Burnett did for years on her show. Mm-hmm. That's what her show did. Right, absolutely. So what's next for you? Do you have any future things that you'd like to, to do? I do. I'm, I'm planning to republish my book with new chapters in the end adding nice. some additional chapters. And there's a few surprises that I can't talk about right now, but there's some exciting things coming up. Very nice. Yeah. Well, we look forward to of them, course. of course. Yes. Of course. And uh, how do you plan to spend your holidays? I I'm not sure. I'll be home. I'll be home with... I'll be home for the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, well, Jerry, I can't say enough. Thank you so much for being on our show. Yes. It has been so much fun, such a delight. And we've laughed a ton. And of <laughs> course, and we're going to still keep laughing because the big bird thing is never going to go away. Oh, gosh. And, <laughs> and so, you know, I, I can't say we appreciate it. We thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Have a beautiful rest of the day. I always like great interviews. Yeah. She's such a sweetheart, of course. Mm-hmm. And you can check out her book and more stuff about Jerry Jewel by going to her website at jerryjewel.com. It's G-E-R-I-J-E-W-E-L-L.com. But we want to thank Jerry for joining us. We appreciate her coming on the show. And of course, we appreciate you coming on the show. We love it every single week. Of yes. course we do. And you can tell your friends about us and follow us on Instagram because we post a lot of great stuff. Yes, at chris.ann.will. Correct. So uh, remember, we love you guys and love yourself and the world will love you in return. And next week, you'll join us for another great episode of What About Our Life with Chris and Will. But for now, we've got to go. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank Jerry for coming on the show with us. And we'll see you again next week. All right. Bye. Bye.